everyone, and welcome to Sharing Everything. We are your hosts. I'm Katie. I'm Joe. And we are married, and we like making each other watch movies we like. So, Joe, what did I make you watch uh, this week? Prisoners. 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 Would you like to uh, tell us a little bit about Prisoners? Yeah. All right. So, we got Hugh Jackman. Mm-hmm. Huge actor man. Uh, also known as the Wolverine. Yes, but not in this movie. No. And his son is either the kid that's in the Wallflowers movie. No. Or the kid that was in some, like, The Edge of Goosebumps. 17 or something. Goosebumps. That's the one. Uh, he also has a little daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember her. She'll be important. Mm-hmm. And then we have a wife who really doesn't do anything. Doesn't end up doing anything. He also has a, a black family. He does not have a black family. He has friends. He, he lives down the street from a black family that has the same familial makeup mm-hmm. well, as his. No. Only they have two daughters. Yep. Yeah. Um, both of the same age as his kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're over hanging out for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. The two little girls want to run up the street to look for her rape whistle because daddy's a prepper. <laughs> daddy's daddy's a big fat prepper, mm-hmm. which makes it very ironic when the two girls go missing. Dun dun dun. This movie's very very long, so I'm gonna I'm gonna glaze. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah, glaze a little bit. Um, Paul Dano's in an RV. Mm-hmm. They think he did it. Uh, so the police arrest him. Jake Gyllenhaal is a detective. Detective Loki. Detective Loki, which I thought would be more of a allusion to Norse cinema or Norse mythology than it really was. He wasn't all that chaotic or evil. But anyway, um, so Jake Gyllenhaal is is detectiving the case. Paul Dano gets let go, so Hugh Ackman and and his his friend decide to kidnap Paul Dano and torture him until he tells him where the girls are. Spoiler alert, he never does, really. Spoiler alert, he never does, because he's severely mentally held back. They said he had the IQ of a 10-year-old. Yeah, he has the IQ of a 10-year-old. Um, turns out, uh, after about two and a half hours of <laughs> cinema, we realize that Paul Dano's mother, mm-hmm. who who we visit a aunt. few times, aunt, that's mm-hmm. right, aunt, is not his aunt at all, but mm-hmm. the lady what uh, kidnapped him in the first place. Yes. There's, like, parallels between that kidnapping story and this one because, Mm -hmm. spoiler alert, they are kind of perpetrated by the same person whose name was Holly Jones. Holly Jones. Holly Jones and her husband kidnapped a whole bunch of kids and murdered them because they didn't like Jesus. Mm -hmm. And um, when their kid died, they lost their faith. Mm -hmm. So, rationally, they said, well, nobody else should have their faith either. They're probably Republicans. (laughs) And, um, but they had a soft spot for this kid, apparently. Yeah, I guess so. Because uh, they kept him around and didn't murder him. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Hugh Jackman gets pushed in a hole, mm-hmm. finds his daughter's rape whistle. Mm-hmm. The girls are fine mm-hmm. at the end. And uh, Jake Gyllenhaal hears the whistle blowing at the end and fade to black. Yep. So, yeah. So, why do you think I chose this movie for us? Because you're sick of showing me 90-minute 90s <laughs> coming-of-age films. Um, well, yeah. I wanted to show you that my interests are varied. <laughs> um, also, I know you like this director. Yeah. What's his name? Dennis Villanueva or Villanueva. Nuve, Neve, something. Something like that. He's he did the, he's Arrival. The, he did Arrival, mm-hmm. and he's doing Blade Runner 2, mm-hmm. and he did Sicario. Mm-hmm. Which I haven't seen, but is apparently very good. Yeah, I liked Arrival. Um, I liked a lot of things about it, and it seems like he used a lot of the same people. I didn't check the cinematographer, and I guess I could do that, but the cinematography Um, looked really good. Yeah, I also wanted to show you this movie because I just thought it was really well done in pretty much every aspect. Mm -hmm. Um, I know you appreciate the technical side of things possibly probably more than i do but even i could tell that this was just a really solidly put together movie mm-hmm. um yeah i appreciate craft mm-hmm. 
Um, oh, the cinematographer was Roger Deakins. I don't know who that is. He de- does a lot of movies. He's done Shawshank Redemption, mm. Skyfall, No Country for Old Men, A Beautiful Mind. He did Hail Caesar. He did Sicario. He did Unbroken. Um, he did In Time. He did Rango. He did True Grit. Um, I want to say he did... Um, he did the Lady Killers and Tolerable Cruelty, Man Who Wasn't There. He did a Oh Brother Where Art Thou. So this is our second Roger Deakins Ooh, movie in a in row. In a row. Um, it doesn't look like he did Arrival though. Mm. But anyway, Roger Deakins is a is a is a marvel of cinematography. He's really really good. Yeah, he knows um, what he's doing. So there's a lot to talk about with this movie. Mm-hmm. Well, because it's. It's an hour longer than <laughs> most movies. Yeah. Yeah, it was... I want to say it was two hours and like 45 minutes or something yeah, like that. It yeah, was, it, was, it was long. So, what did you... Like, what did you think happened to these girls when you first started watching the movie? What did I think happened to them? Yeah. Well, okay, first let me back up a second. Do you, when you watch movies like this where there's kind of a mystery that needs to unravel, like, do you try to unravel it or do you just kind of sit back and watch it? I think I sit back and watch it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm more interested in the characters mm-hmm. working through it than in trying to work through it myself. I don't want to work that hard mm-hmm. watching a movie. So did you like, did you form any sort of theories or anything as it went on? No. no, not really. Um, kind of like with Arrival. Mm-hmm. It was one of those things where when the twist happened, mm-hmm. I wasn't super surprised. Right. It hadn't something that I had consciously uh, thought of. But when it happened, I was like, oh, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the kind of twist that I like mm-hmm. is, oh, okay. Like in Sixth Sense when Bruce Willis is dead the whole time. Yeah. And you're like, oh, Oh yeah, no, I can see that. Mm-hmm. As as opposed to like in that episode of Bob's Burgers where Linda's like, "No, I am the killer." And I'm <laughs> like, but you said you weren't. Yeah. Um. So I thought it was interesting how they really only ever had one suspect in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, like they had a few, like they investigated some pedophiles and stuff. Mm-hmm. They came across the priest who had a dead body in his basement, who we find out is Holly Jones' husband. Yeah. That was pretty cool. That was cool because that priest disappeared for like a long time. Mm-hmm. He he did not get a lot of screen time. And mm-hmm. I was like, what is going, like, why did you bother to put that in the movie? Mm-hmm. It got tied together really well, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're... <sighs> All of the characters in this movie were really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, uh, I don't know. I don't even know where to start. There's so much to say. Yeah. Um, I guess the father, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. His name in the movie is Keller Dover, which is a really dumb name. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it seems like a weird sex position. <laughs> I gave her the Keller Dover. <laughs> Um, so as we mentioned, he, he's a very religious man at the beginning. He's like going through a prayer while his son is hunting. Yeah. He, he's just saying the, our father mm-hmm. or the Lord's prayer, mm-hmm. if you're not Catholic. And then he sort of talks the opening scene of the movie, his son shoots the deer mm-hmm. and then, um, they're driving home and, uh, Keller is kind of saying how important it is to be prepared for everything. Yeah, he's he's sort of explaining, like, I'm teaching you to hunt because there may come a time when you will need to hunt, mm-hmm. uh, which I appreciate as, mm-hmm. as a person who doesn't really hunt. Yeah. Um, I, like, I dig that reason for hunting more than just like, I want a bunch of big horns on my wall. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, like, at first, I feel like we didn't really get the extent of how kind of crazy he was about per- prepping or whatever yeah. it turns out that's his hobby his hobby yeah. is filling his, his his basement with cans of crisco i kind of like that they didn't make that part of it super obvious at first because then i think we might have like 
suspected him for some reason just because Mm -hmm. but i don't know why we would have i just kind of got the feeling that if he had this sort of kind of dark outlook on life like oh you have to be prepared for all the crazy stuff that's gonna happen Mm -hmm. we might have said hmm is this like a test he's doing for his son to see if his son is prepared for something like this oh yeah that would have been dumb Mm -hmm. well because that's the thing too is after kind of the beginning the son disappears like it's not so Mm -hmm. much the story about his son his son's kind of there but he's kind of shoved in the corner a lot with like say here your mom i gotta go drink and beat up the kid the kid from there will be blood (laughs) um so what did you think when joy the other family's daughter the one who goes missing with keller's daughter Mm -hmm. when she turns up in the hospital and says in her drugged state because we find out later that she like Hallie Jones drugged them with crazy crap, like ketamine or something. Mm-hmm. Um, she sort of says in her drugged state, you were there talking to Keller. Mm-hmm. What did you think when she said that? I thought that maybe he did have something to do with it or, mm-hmm. or something. Turns out it was just he was at the house. Yeah. And she, I'm, I'm not quite sure how she saw him. I was trying to figure that out. Um, how could she see him without him seeing her? Well, because they had... um in like the back room mm-hmm. so she might have been like looking out under the crack of the door it could be yeah i kind of i when i first saw this movie in the theater i thought that he had something to do with it when she said that mm-hmm. yeah i thought about that for for a second especially because right around that time of the movie we're getting more of his history he used to be an alcoholic and mm-hmm. now that his daughter is gone he's getting back into the heavy drinking mm-hmm. and um you know, maybe he drunkenly took his daughter away or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, it was one of those things where I was just... I, there wasn't a lot of me, like, consciously thinking about things. I right. was more just kind of feeling the movie as I was watching it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, maybe he did have something to do with it. No, but probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, It was just kind of good to ratchet up the tension because... Jake Gyllenhaal is following him around a lot more, mm-hmm. and their sort of like contentiousness. That was an interesting thing. Is that like from the moment that Jake Gyllenhaal shows up to hang out with Hugh Jackman, mm-hmm. they're like at odds. Yeah, which is which logically is strange because they're on the same team. They're both right. trying to find the daughter, but really, what it is is. Hugh Jackman feeling emasculated that some other man, especially a younger man, has to come in and and save him. This this guy with tattoos and the pompadour haircut and mm-hmm. you know. So like I get that and and the whole just feeling helpless and you can kind of tell that he doesn't particularly care for authority or the mm-hmm. police, um, which which is evidenced early on in the movie when uh, Paul Dano's character is, is getting released. Mm-hmm. And he's going to talk to him and one of the cops is like, you can't, like, you need to stay back. And he's like, I'm a free man. Right. Like, I'm just in a parking lot. I can go wherever I want. So you, so you get that. And and so there's there's a lot of nice little characterizations like that where um, as a recovering alcoholic, you can kind of feel like he felt like he was enslaved by alcohol. Mm-hmm. So the whole being prepared and prepping and everything is part of that freedom and the whole sort of imagining the apocalypse Mm -hmm. because that's that's when an apocalypse is is when humanity would be the most free because society would break down completely and as free of a society as we have air quotes Um, we're still restricted by a lot of things. We're restricted by what other people think of us, even just in our appearance and who we love and how we act. But if there's no society, if it's just humans just trying to survive, you can be a lot more free with yourself. You can... Like the Purge. Like... Which I've never seen, actually. Like the Purge. I think that's a little different mm-hmm. than than kind of what, I, what I'm going for. Like It's kind of like in the road where... People just kind of like form weird cults and stuff, and I I think that that that's kind of what he's longing for, mm-hmm. almost as he's kind of longing for for the apocalypse to happen so that he can 
he can be the man and protect his family. Well, because that's the other thing, too, is that as an alcoholic, you're not really providing for your family all that much. Um, which is probably why he starts drinking again, because he realizes after his daughter disappears that he's, he can't, he's still not able to protect his family as much as he wants. He can give his nine-year-old daughter a rape whistle, but if she doesn't wear it, then it doesn't help. Yeah, but, like, he consciously, purposely abandoned his family when they needed him the most. Mm -hmm. Which, if he's... uh, I, like, it was really hard to have sympathy for him. Especially when you see him literally torturing a mentally challenged person. Mm -hmm. Who, granted, yes, did have something to do with her disappearance. But you... I just, I have no sympathy for people who can hurt someone like that. Mm-hmm. Just like, just because they want to. Like, it wasn't even an immediate danger type of situation. Yeah. Like, if he physically saw him take his daughter and was like, he put her in the RV and then um, Hugh Jackman went up and started beating up the guy. Yeah, I can see that. But like, after the fact, no. Yeah. Well, he does, he does sort of explain that away. Or, or he says to to his friend, "This guy's not a person anymore. Mm-hmm. He stopped being a person when he took our daughters." Um, and then later, near the end, when he's when he's got him in the in the shower mm-hmm. and he's boarded everything up so the guy can't move or do anything, he does break down at one point and say, "Like, why are you making me do this yeah. to you?" So this movie's got a lot of toxic masculinity. It, it does. It is what it comes down to. Hugh Jackman's character is kind of the essence of toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. Just, <clears throat> he's he's so focused on being this alpha male character that he's unable to really do anything good right. in the movie. He He's unable to really take care of his family. And um, I don't know. I, I see that happening a lot to people where they 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 go too big you know mm-hmm. so so as as he's a recovering alcoholic he starts getting into prepping and hunting and all that stuff and religion instead of like reconnecting with his family on an emotional level because mm-hmm. you can tell that he's not super emotionally connected to his family because his wife has depression so bad that she can't get out of bed well after she got taken we don't know yeah. if that was something that existed I mean, she, before. She seemed fine mm-hmm. beforehand, but I mean, <clears throat> I don't know if you can get depression that bad I think without something pre-existing. Even I don't hid, know that like, it was necessarily away. depression, though. I think it was her, like, you know, losing a child is probably one of, if not the most, one of the most painful things that someone can go through. Um, and... I thought it maybe more had something to do with doctors prescribing her with some sort of medication to keep her calm, to help her sleep, and maybe she was just kind of like ODing a little bit. I don't know. Um, So I don't think that it was necessarily depression related. I just think it was this big, awful event that happened in her life and she had no one to lean on because her husband was off beating the guy up Mm -hmm. and her son was i mean he was probably a nice kid but he didn't really like have the capacity to deal with that yeah that's that's not something that you can really do right so yeah i mean hugh jackman's character is is an interesting thing and then you have jake gyllenhaal's character Mm -hmm. who's who's really the other main character who is uh he's got his own sort of demons and problems yeah. and stuff. Yeah, he does. He has lots of tattoos. He has, in his scenes, there's a lot of, like, Christian imagery. Mm-hmm. Lots of crosses. Um, I think there's, at one point, like, him bowed in sort of, like, a praying position at his desk, I think. Yeah. Well, he's got, yeah, and I, he's got, like, a cross tattoo on his hand yeah. between, on that, like, webbing between your thumb and index finger where, like, you're always going to be looking at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shia LaBeouf has one like that. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of Christian imagery. There's a lot of faith imagery. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things they brought up early is that he's he's solved every case that he's been put on. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a lot of scenes with him and sort of the police chief butting heads a little bit, where they have different philosophies mm-hmm. on 
how to solve crimes. And uh, at one point, uh, the guy says, the chief says to Jake Gyllenhaal's character, like, if you want satisfaction, you need to get a different job. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the bad guys just win. And he's he doesn't accept that. Right. Um, so I want to talk about Alex Jones a little bit. So Infowars.com. What? Alex Jones, the the conspiracy theorist, libertarian radio show host. No, Alex Jones, the character in this oh, movie. Oh, Paul Dano. Yeah. Uh, do you think that he was actually as debil- debilitated mentally as was portrayed in the movie? Like... As was, I that didn't come out right. As was portrayed by the aunt saying, "Oh, he doesn't know anything. He has problems. He he doesn't understand. He has such a low IQ. He couldn't do this." Mm-hmm. But we see this moment. You already brought it up when Hugh Jackman goes after him in the parking lot. Alex Jones says to him, "They didn't cry until I left them." Mm-hmm. That right there kind of made me think that it was kind of an act, like. He might have been a little bit slower than, like, Hugh Jackman's character, but I think it was played up, like, Mm. to make him look, like, less of a possible suspect. Like, I think it was a plan devised by Holly Jones and um, Alex, but it could have even been, like, something that Holly Jones sort of, like, tried to make happen. Oh, yeah, well, because they keep him hopped up on drugs, and he's been been there for 26 years, so his brain is probably fried Mm -hmm. because they just keep feeding him drugs. But he had, like, that moment of... Yeah, I mean, everybody kind of has a moment of clarity every once in a while, but, I mean, it's not like the switch turned off and he was a normal dude. No, He still quivered the the words out. Mm -hmm. Um, No, I don't think it was an act or anything, because if that were the case, he would have said way sooner to Hugh Jackman where the daughters were. That's true. You know? Like, I kept wondering, why do you think he didn't give it up after he was being tortured for so long? He's probably just not able to. Yeah. He was probably so afraid of Holly or whatever. Yeah, well, and of Hugh Jackman. I mean, well, yeah. But he he repeatedly said, just tell me what I want to know, and I'll let you go. I'll stop. Because he probably wasn't able to because his brain was so fried. Yeah. Um, so that's something else is the significance of the title prisoners. Like Mm -hmm. at first it just seems like it's a spoiler for what happened to the girls. They were prisoners, Mm -hmm. but then you sort of, sort of started thinking and well, Alex Jones was held prisoner by Hugh Jackman. He was also like a prisoner of Holly. He was a double prisoner. He was kind of a triple prisoner because he was a prisoner of Holly. He was a prisoner of Hugh Jackman. He was a prisoner of basically his own mind because mm-hmm. of all the crap that he'd been through um then you've got loki who's a prisoner of his job basically because mm-hmm. he can't do what he wants hugh jackman's a prisoner of alcoholism or whatever um and then there was somebody else who i thought was a good example of that i don't know well hugh jackman's friend was sort of a prisoner of the situation that's true. Too. Mm-hmm. Um, as was his his wife, Viola mm-hmm. Davis. Yep. Um, and Hugh Jackman's wife. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. That's kind of one of those like one to one symbolisms mm-hmm. that like high school English class level symbolism. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, everyone's a prisoner. Well, I mean, they kind of were. Yeah. No, it is. It's. You know, it's just not, it's not one of those things where it's like, what, what, what do you think the mm-hmm. title means? Right. It's like, no, the title, it, everyone's a prisoner. Mm-hmm. Everyone's a prisoner of their own demons. Everyone's a prisoner of their own situation, their own fears, society. And then we can become prisoners of each other. We can become prisoners of social constructs such as religion. Um, basically, the only way to liberate yourself is radical individualism. Everybody read Max Stirner. Doop, 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 doop. Alrighty. Um, let's see. What else can we talk about? Is there anything you'd like to discuss? Um, the music was done by Johan Johansson, mm-hmm. who did the music for Arrival. He's very good. Mm-hmm. The music was very great. good. Very, very good. Uh, we didn't even talk about the other guy, the sort of other red herring that showed up, the guy who drew the mazes all over his walls. I don't think he was a red herring. I think he was... I thought, no, he was a red herring. I thought he was involved. 
No. He was... He wasn't friends with Alex? No, he was kidnapped and then set free. Oh, that's And then right, his way right. of coping was to steal or buy children's clothes, mm-hmm. throw pig's blood all over them, bash up child-sized mannequins, and bury them. Yep, I remember that now. Um, so, yeah, uh, th- that was interesting. Let's see. Let's 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 talk a little bit about the length of the movie. Okay. You and I have talked about movie length a couple times. Mm-hmm. I was talking about how I kind of like hundred minute length movies mm-hmm. more than ninety minute length movies. Um, I found that I don't like two hour movies. No. No, a movie that is just two hours long feels in a weird spot for me. Mm. Um, like ninety minutes is good. A hundred minutes is good. Um, and I. I a lot of my favorite movies are like two and a half hours long. I've watched movies that are like three hours, three hours and 16 minutes long. There are some nine and 10 hour long movies out there. They're all directed by this one guy from the Philippines, <laughs> um, which maybe we'll have to watch some t- someday. It'll be, it'll I, be in like a day. I don't think so. Um, but two and a half hours is, is an interesting length. Uh, there's a lot of ties I feel in in pacing mm-hmm. to Zodiac, which, yeah. Which have you seen? Yep. Which is another one where Jake Gyllenhaal is a detective trying to solve a murder. Mm-hmm. Only Prisoners ends up a little bit more positive than Zodiac does because it wasn't until 2016 when we found out who the Zodiac killer was. Is that even in dispute? It's Ted Cruz. Oh, okay. Ted Cruz. Is I thought the, you were being serious for a second. I am. Ted Cruz is the Zodiac killer. <laughs> Ted Cruz is not the Zodiac Ted killer. Ted Cruz is the Zodiac killer. The age is not right. No. He's too young Ted to have been the Zodiac Cruz killer. Ted Cruz is the Zodiac killer. Anyway, um, for me, movie length, like, I I sort of dread starting long movies. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, if I don't know anything about them, I'm just like, I don't know if I want to make a commitment to this. This is, like... A chunk of my day um but i find that most of the long movies i do watch i do enjoy i think like i don't have a problem watching movies of any length like they never it's more of like the story feeling like i have to feel like the story is complete or like so if they're able to complete a story in 90 minutes perfect length if they have to take three hours that's fine but like I don't know. It just needs to keep me interested the whole time. Mm-hmm. There, like, there are plenty of movies where I'm like, yeah, they could have cut off like a half an hour of that movie and it would have been just fine. Yeah, but then there's plenty of movies, and we've watched movies for the show that kind of feel like that, where where you feel like they wanted it to be two and a half hours long, mm-hmm. and the studio said, no, you got to cut an hour out because there's lots of like doors that open yeah. that don't get closed. Um. Like this, this movie. Imagine if it was ninety minutes, but you still had all of those characters introduced. You still had the priest. You still had the guy impossible. drawing mazes all over his walls. You still had. It would make no sense. Mm-hmm. It, you would say this movie was way too ambitious, and there was no way that they were going to do all this in ninety minutes. The uh, original cut of this movie was actually over three hours long. I believe it. Mm-hmm. I believe it. I'm sure they took entire characters out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm just kind of like thinking back on it. I'm kind of in awe of how they connected everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that takes a lot of skill, I think, to, like you said, you when they brought up the priest and you're just kind of like, well, what does this have to do with anything? Mm-hmm. And then they dropped it. But then as soon as they picked it up, you're like, oh, that's so cool, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think movies like that where this is kind of unrelated, but I'm sort of sick of those types of movies that like intertwine stories of unrelated characters you know mm-hmm. like i'm trying to think of an example like maybe love actually or something like that mm-hmm. um, or or all of those like valentine's day yeah. new year's eve yeah um but this i think is the perfect like way to do something like that where it's not necessarily characters but it's like stories that seem like, it just seems like, oh, he chanced upon a priest who committed some other crime, but then you realize it's connected. Um, so I think stories like that are pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 
yeah, I just, like, I keep thinking back of all those things, like, um, I'm trying to remember, what was, why did his dad commit suicide? He was a prison guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think they explained it, um, Hugh Jackman's dad. Yeah. Yeah. There's, like, that newspaper article that Loki found, which is how he found out that that apartment building mm-hmm. is where they were keeping Alex. Yeah, probably just because it's rough to be a prison guard. Yeah. And he couldn't handle it. Which is another demon that Hugh Jackman had to it kind of face down was that his dad wasn't good enough to be there for him. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I thought that this whole movie felt very, like, God forbid I ever have to go through something like this, but I feel like that's exactly how it would feel. Like, I feel like the emotion of, like, the stressfulness of that sort of event really came through with the mom, with the son. Um, Mm -hmm. Hopefully, if anything like that ever happened to anyone in my life, they would never react like Hugh Jackman did, but it all felt very authentic to me. I thought the acting was really great. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. There there weren't really... I don't don't even remember any times where I would have looked at you and said, Why? Why? (laughs) Who? Why is he doing this? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Like there, there were there weren't a lot of, if any, moments where I felt the need to yell at the TV, mm-hmm. saying this is this is stupid. Why would you do this? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it it was good. It was it was well put together. It was it was well worked on. One other thing I wanted to talk about about movie length mm-hmm. is because in this age of TV, where people binge watch tv shows Mm -hmm. or you know people sit down and they say we're going to watch a season of x show Mm -hmm. today essentially what they're doing is they're watching a six hour long movie right and that's interesting to me because one one person uh, i was at work and two people were talking about some show and it doesn't matter what the show is but this guy was talking about how it was like kind of okay but i I, I watched it anyway Mm -hmm. um and the the other guy was like, is it worth six hours of my life? And I'm like, okay, that's, that's an interesting thing, like comparing TV to movies like that. And I've had conversations with other, other people where I say it's way easier for me to jump into a movie that I know nothing about than it is for me to jump into a TV show that I know nothing about. Because very often I will watch the TV show to the bitter end mm-hmm. unless I absolutely cannot stand it. And if a TV show is five seasons long with 20 episodes per season, like that's a lot of hours Mm -hmm. that I am committing to this. Whereas 90 minutes, if if that's the worst movie I've ever seen, that's not bad. Because I've sat in classes that were more boring than any movie I could ever watch. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's an interesting thing. And um, I mean, even like Netflix original shows like Orange is the New Black, people watch a season of Orange is the New Black in a day. Mm-hmm. And those episodes are 50 minutes long to an, over an hour. And there's like 12 episodes in a season. So people are spending 12 hours. They're essentially watching a 12-hour long movie. Mm-hmm. And and that's interesting to me that, that people don't really see it that way. Or at least don't talk about seeing it that way. And, and still see a movie like this or American Honey or something that's... Or Winter Sleep that's... Two and a half hours, two forty-five, three sixteen, mm-hmm. and say, "Oh my God, I could never watch a movie that's three hours and sixteen minutes long." And that's probably because TV show has a beginning and an end, so it has time for you to get up and go yeah, to the that's bathroom. That's what I was thinking. If something has sort of like jumping, like jumping ship points for me, like I will watch that more readily than a movie. I feel like a movie is a bigger commitment because, like, with TV shows. The end of an episode, if you say, I don't really care what happens next, you can be done. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's a movie and you're like 20 minutes in and you're like, this sounds really boring. Like, I feel I have sort of like guilt associated with not finishing that. It's the same way with books. If I read a book and I don't like it, I still finish it. Mm-hmm. Um, but with movies, I'm not sure why, but movies have to like really do something to make me interested in watching it. Um, yeah. And I'm not sure if that has to do with the length versus like a TV show, but there's just like in my brain, TV shows and movies are very different things. Yeah. And in my mind too, 
I feel like movies are more crafted and more deliberate and can be like higher art. Like I, I feel like, like cinema can reach a higher like art form than TV ever can. <laughs> and I know people are gonna scream and at me and say, "Well, no, art is the no black is better than any movie that you could ever make." Um, because TV shows essentially ha- have to fill X amount of episodes, mm-hmm. so you get weird episodes that don't make sense. You get clip show episodes, and you get weird dream sequence episodes you get michelle trachtenberg being a key for three (laughs) seasons because we just need something to happen yeah um whereas with a movie you don't get that um there's not a lot of movies that i feel people struggled to pad out to 90 minutes well yeah i mean there are movies like that but we don't watch those movies Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of bad b c d level movies where yeah, it feels like they they definitely just put in something extra so that something extra could happen. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I feel like a movie is just more deliberate than a TV show. I feel like a TV show happens, and it's different. Every TV show is written a little differently. But like, there's there's that famous uh, Six Days to Air South Park documentary where they're like making the show the week before it airs, mm-hmm. and. So this happens with movies too, but I feel like with TV shows, this can happen a lot more where you get into the writer's room on Monday and it's like, all right, what do we got? Yeah. (laughs) We got, we got X amount of time until this episode airs. What do we got? Uh, Whereas with a movie, you can spend 12 years Mm -hmm. writing a movie, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) spend 12 years filming a movie. (laughs) It can still be a crappy movie, but you, you can, you can spend that time on it. And, and craft it to get it just right if it's not, you know, a big... I'm, I'm excluding 99% of summer blockbusters from this. I'm mm-hmm. talking about movies that are intended to be art rather than consumption. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just feel like there's something more special about movies than there is TV. I feel like TV is just the thing that you you put on when you're sitting with a loved one and you don't feel like talking very much and just something needs to be happening in the background mm-hmm. that you that you don't need to think about. And there there are TV shows that are dramas and thinkers and stuff. Everyone's going to say, well, House of Cards and Game of Thrones and blah, 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 blah. But like, yeah, so there's like... I feel, I feel like of the, of the TV shows that are high art, it's there's not a lot that that are excluded from the Emmys, you know, like mm-hmm. all of like the best TV shows. I'm just going to watch the Emmys. You're going to tell me the six TV shows I need to watch this year and I can watch those shows if I want to. Whereas with movies, there's so many more movies than that are good and artful and and beautiful and and deliberate and important than just the the eight that get nominated for best picture. Mhm. And so I guess I'm a movie snob and I'm looking down on all of all of those TV people. And maybe it's just because I like higher art more than pop art. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like that's that's just something that's been going going off in my mind for for a while now. Where just thinking cuz I haven't been able to even find a TV show really that's all that interesting. And the most recent TV show that I found that I'm really really into is a documentary series. Mhm. Yeah, so. definitely different different mediums for different moods and times and people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would you like to uh, talk about some trivia? Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. The first time this movie was submitted to the MPAA, it received an NC-17 rating due to its tone and subject matter. The film's torture scenes were later cut by a couple of frames, along with scenes suggesting pedophilia, and then it received the R rating. Hmm. Uh, Paul Dano admits to being attracted to roles of this nature, learning difficulties, screaming, nonsensical ranting, and says he draws on his own personal and private experiences to perfect these recurring roles. This dude, like, I think he typecasted himself then. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm. 
that's okay I, to me. I think if there's an actor who says I'm good at this particular type of role, because you can still get a lot of range out of that. He, mm-hmm. he gave himself a pretty broad thing because the character in There Will Be Blood is different from the character in this is different from the character in Swiss Army Man is different mm-hmm. from the character in Little Miss Sunshine. I think Little his character in Little Miss Sunshine is probably my favorite character. He's you haven't done. seen There Will Be Blood though. No, I haven't because he's he's a treasure in that movie. I think he was really pushed by Daniel Day-Lewis to, to be good because you can't act alongside Daniel Day-Lewis without bringing your A-game. Yeah, that's true. Um, for the hammer scene, Hugh Jackman was asked by director Den- Dennis Villanueva to be completely ferocious for the next take. That take was used in the final film. Mm-hmm. Man, seriously, some of those scenes were absolutely terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like, Yeah, that hammer scene cringy. was... was... I thought it was going to be like the hammer scene in Old Boy, and it wasn't, so it wasn't as bad. That's not the worst scene I've seen with a hammer, but no. it was still scary. Mm-hmm. Just like taken all together, those torture scenes, ugh, those were rough. Mm-hmm. Um, to play Holly Jones, Melissa Leo wore a gray wig and a foam rubber posterior prepared <gasps> by costume designer Renee April in order to ground her character. Leo also requested the prop assistance to avoid cleaning her glasses after each day's shooting. that's something that i wanted to mention is how like kind of gritty everything looked like there are so many shots of like dirty windows and grimy looking exteriors of buildings i'm like that's like what it actually looks like outside in our area Mm -hmm. and we actually thought that this movie was shot in our like state but it wasn't no but it looked very similar It, it looked it looked very not very snowy midwest Mm mm-hmm um, let's see. Detective Loki is clearly visible in many scenes wearing a Freemason's ring on his left hand. Um, what is a Freemason? It's, uh, as far as I can tell, it's a union of, like, actual Masons. Like, you kind of have to be a Mason to be part of it, I think. I don't know what a Mason is. Uh, there are people that do, like, they, they like, bricklay and mm. stuff like that. But I'm not actually sure. It's weird. Like, I've, I've gone onto their websites and stuff and tried to figure out how to join, and it seems kind of weird. Um, as far as secret societies go, that one is pretty secret. Mm. Um, this next piece of trivia, I think, is a running theme in the movies that we watch for this show. Okay. The screenplay for this film was featured in the 2009 Blacklist, mm. a list of the most like liked unmade scripts of the year. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this film, a detective named Loki obsessively obsessively tries to find two kidnapped children. In Norse mythology, there's a tale, Loka Tattur, where the god Loki persistently tries to protect a child from a giant named Skrymer, and after Odin and Hanrir tried and given up on the task. Hmm. Uh, the name of Alex Jones's aunt is Holly Jones. Holly Jones is also the name of a 10-year-old girl who was kidnapped and murdered in Toronto in 2003. Hmm. Uh, Mark Wahlberg and Christian Bale were set to star with Brian Singer directing, but the two actors opted to make The Fighter instead. Hmm. Mark Wahlberg was the executive producer, though. Mm-hmm. So he just dumped a lot of his money into the movie. According to writer Aaron Guzikowski, the original cut of the film is three hours. Hugh Jackman portrays a father whose daughter is kidnapped and missing in this film. He was originally attached to play a similar role in The Lovely Bones, but dropped out. That role was filled by Mark Wahlberg, who at one point was attached to play the lead role in this film. Oh. Yeah. Have you seen that movie? Yeah. It's good. Saoirse Ronan is, is a treasure as well. And, oh, who played the bad guy in that? Uh, it was J.K. Simmons. Uh, was it? it? I, I don't remember. Was, I think it was J.K. Simmons. He looked like another actor, though. I don't remember. I don't know either. I'm not going to look it up. I don't care. Write us. Sharing everything show at gmail.com. What are you doing with this microphone? I accidentally hit that thing all the time. Don't flip the switch. Sorry. Uh, let's see. Leonardo DiCaprio was attached for a long time to the Ugh. project, but he dropped out eventually. Good. Uh, after filming had been completed, the costume and prop departments donated all of the clothing and props to Fordak Thrift Store in Tucker, Georgia. Okay. Hugh Jackman was attached to the project with Antoine Fuqua directing. Both dropped out. After several years in development, Jack Jackman returned in the lead role. 
The byline of one of the newspaper articles shown in the film is Aaron Guzikowski, the film's screenwriter. Uh, when Detective Loki is looking through the notebook, he finds that Bob Taylor's The Last Page You See has a character drawn in it that looks a lot like the rabbit from Jake Gyllenhaal's early movie, Donnie Darko. Mm. There are no opening credits, just the title of the movie. Yeah. I enjoy that a lot. Oh, God, it's so good. Yep. Uh, Detective Loki's cards reveal his full name to be David Wayne Loki. The film cast includes one Oscar winner, Melissa Leo, and four Oscar nominees, Hugh Jackman, Jake Gyllenhaal, Viola Davis, and Terrence Howard. Uh, that might change. Yeah, that might change. That might change soon. Viola Davis will probably win Best Supporting Actress this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jessica Chastain was rumored for a role. Jake Gyllenhaal was also part of the police force in End of Watch. Have you seen that movie? Mm, is that like a, that's like a found footage thing, isn't it? Sort of? Not really. No? Okay. That movie is so gory and violent. Oh, is it? Oh, I cried when I watched it. I'll have to watch it. The moment where Holly asked Keller to drink a little more was improvised by Melissa Leo, who thought Hugh Jackman wasn't drinking enough to make the situation believable. Um, that was something I was kind of thinking about during that scene is for someone who is so into preparedness and everything and probably has like fighting something in his head, Mm -hmm. like strategies or whatever, he didn't really try very hard to like or incapacitate her or anything like that. Yeah, he was kind of crappy. Yeah. He, he wasn't very good. I noticed that, too, how, like, inept he felt. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's probably why he was such a prepper and tried to be prepared. It's because he probably knew that he's kind of useless. Uh, originally, Hugh Jackman was never discovered by police at the end. He would have remained a missing person and died, a la The Vanishing, 1988. But this was deemed too bleak. In a movie called Prisoners? About kidnapped little girls? Yeah, too bleak. Uh, the Vanishing also has a similar scene where Kiefer Sutherland is asked to drink the heavily drugged coffee in order to find out exactly what happened to his missing girlfriend. Uh, the scene where Holly makes Keller drink an unknown substance in order for him to find out what happened to his daughter resembles the plot from Spoorloos from 1988. So basically, there are a lot of movies like this. People drink drugs. Yep. And that's all we've got on the trivia front. All right. Would you like to uh, answer some questions? Sure, darling. Alrighty, let's see what we've got for you. Um, let's see. Name two songs you think Detective Loki has on his playlist. Oh. Hmm. Or like, what kind of music do you think he listens to? Yeah, hold on. Um, it's very possible he listens to like gangster rap. Yep, I'd I'd see that. Um, probably like Immortal Technique. Probably listens to a lot of Immortal Technique. I can see that. Um, and then he probably also listens to like Johnny Cash. Yeah, I can see that too think you hit that one on the head um let's see um so we're going to uh to uh sort of make this a little more difficult uh excluding any firearms or power tools what three items would you want to have with you if you were stuck on a deserted island the rv Yep. Um, probably the hammer. <laughs> oh, I said power tools, didn't I? Dang yeah. it. Um, and the trumpet. Oh, I forgot. That was a good scene. I liked that scene. It, it was a fun scene. Yeah. It was. A, it was a nice way to lull us into into a sense of comfort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's see. If this were a more bleak movie than it turned out to be, and people were dying left and right, mm-hmm. which of these characters do you think would be the first to die? Don't know if been the first to die, aside from the little girls. Probably. 
Okay. Um, it's very possible the mother. Yep, I could see that. Um, or Paul Dano's character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything else you would like to discuss regarding this movie? Anything you'd like to say? Any final thoughts? Hmm. I like it. Go see it if you haven't. Um. Hmm. No, I think we covered it. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Uh, would you like to uh, tell our vast audience where they can find our show? All right, the two of you. <laughs> Listen. Noisemakerjoe.com slash sharing everything or just plain old type in sharing everything into iTunes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or wherever good podcasts are funed. You can email the show at sharing everything show at gmail.com um also maybe if i actually say it during the show it means that it'll happen okay but we are planning to make a tumblr for the show oh yeah and put some fun movie related stuff up there that's that's the thing if you want more of katie that's that's gonna be her gig okay uh, what are you planning to show me next week? Mulholland Drive. Ooh, sounds like a good one. A, oh, you're going to love it. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to love it. Okay. Well, until then, keep talking, keep loving, and keep sharing. 